Last week, I was watching NBC Nightly News while I was making dinner. It featured in-depth coverage of the German wing's 9525 airline crash. The report showed video of the crash site with recovery teams scaling the mountain crevices, looking for remains of the aircraft, of human bodies, and personal items. And as you know and as you have seen, the scene is unfathomable. More information continues to be discovered about the co-pilot and his struggle with mental illness. In another interview, perspectives were shared about how our efforts to ramp up security measures to keep out the bad guys after 9-11 have actually created a way for insiders, like the co-pilot, to use this enhanced security to cause harm. We have tried to keep our lives more secure, but it's evident that nothing is fail-proof. Not much seems safe anymore. <coughs> the story is heart-wrenching because we all have experienced the routine of traveling, and so we can easily place ourselves or imagine ourselves with those passengers on that day but it's difficult to comprehend the stunning panic and the immediate fear they must have faced. Stories like this make us lose heart. Faith seems scarce to process all that has happened or can happen. How exactly are to we respond to stories in real life like this? And what does God have to say about a world that we live in like this? Even as a spiritual leader, my faith seems to fall short as the story continues to unfold. Now, I would guess you are here today because there's some reason why you feel like you need to be at church this morning. Somehow, you have heard about Jesus and the Easter story. Maybe there's something inside of you that is curious about what resurrection can mean in a world that seems to get more fragile and frightening. Or maybe simply, you are wondering if this Easter story has any rele relevance to what you are experiencing in your life right now. In Jesus' time and today, death is perceived as the ultimate verdict, end of story. We live and we die. Power is made known then by holding that through oppression, control, and the threat of death. So when religious and political powers deem Jesus as a threat to their own power, death, of course, was the means to the end. Kill Jesus, and then we'll move on. And so Jesus is put to death. And as we say in our creeds, he was crucified, died, and was buried. He's not kind of dead. All of Jesus died. 
But we hear in Matthew's gospel that the chief priests and the Pharisees are not convinced of this. They remembered that Jesus himself said, after three days, I will rise again. They want to make sure the dead Jesus stays dead, so they ask Pilate to seal the tomb until the third day. So a seal is placed on the stone at the tomb, and guards are assigned to keep watch. And then something moves, literally. The earth quakes and shakes, and an angel of God descends on the tomb, rolls back that stone that was sealed so tightly, and sits right on it. Maybe that's God's response to the finality of death and our attempts of believing that it is. God perches himself on the thing that gives death the final word. It's like God is saying, you think this rock is the place to mark death? I see it as a place to proclaim life. And so those guards who were hired to secure death now drop to the ground and they fake dead for fear of all that has happened. But that rock-moving, rock-sitting angel says to Mary and Mary, do not be afraid. I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has been raised as he said, come see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message to you. Somehow death is not the ultimate end any longer. In fact, resurrection happened as the tomb was sealed. You see, God has transformed death. So if the ultimate end is not the ultimate end, then the oppression and power and fear, it cannot hold us captive. We are instead held in something greater, in a hope that resurrection has conquered even death. So after playing dead for a while, those guards go and run quickly, not in faith, but they run in fear, and they tell the chief priests, hey, even after Operation Guard the Tomb, the body has vanished, and an angel appeared and told the women to tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. And so they concoct a plan. They pay off the guards to tell others that the body was stolen by the disciples. They quickly conclude that they must counteract this talk of resurrection, or most certainly, they will lose control. Mary and Mary, however, also run quickly with fear. And we hear they run with joy. Faith is somehow created in them as they consider that maybe, just maybe, God does have the power to overcome even death. And as all these things swirl in their minds and as their feet race ahead, on the way, Jesus meets them with his true presence in words that are similar to the angel. 
Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, I venture to guess that you have probably heard at some point that we have a choice each day to live in fear or we can live in faith. I'm not so sure we have the choice. Even with our best hearts and our efforts, we truly cannot live in perfect faith. Life is always a mix of doubt, fear, and wonderment as we navigate this breakable life. Resurrection does not take away the bad or the frightening. In fact, that's where it is born. God does not shy away from showing up in the violence or suffering. That's where he digs in. That's where he is found. And in doing so, he enters into the brokenness of humanity and creation with all the real pain we can experience. It's from the grave, the ashes, and the pieces strewn over a mountain range in France that we hear that the resurrected Jesus will meet us on the way. We cannot predict where or when this will happen, but we hear directly from the mouth of that angel who speaks the voice of God, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he is indeed going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message to you. This is God's message to us. Jesus will meet us on the way in this life. And so resurrection is not only for those who claim to live in some secured faith. Resurrection is for you and it's for me. As new stories overwhelm us and our doubt and questions pile up, in fact, the ones that Jesus goes to meet are the ones who have denied and doubted, and they get so overwhelmed by this life that they flee for some safer place, wherever that may be. This life on its own is not sufficient. God knows this. And so he comes down to be with us, and he enters into all of what our bodies and souls can experience in life, and in death. The earth moves in the gospel of Matthew, and that angel clothed in bright right sits right down on that rock that was supposed to seal the tomb because something has changed. God's kingdom has come. And faith comes from daring to trust in resurrection and daring to trust Jesus promised that he will meet us on the way even now. We need to lean into this message of hope. We need to claim resurrection because fear and death cannot have the last word. Remember that angel who sits right down on that place of fear and death and says, do not be afraid, God's love is power and it's stronger than fear and death. This message is proclaimed to us to strengthen our faith and allow us to live in the hope. And in some way, in hearing this Easter story again this morning, 
My heart is awakened to believe that Jesus met all those passengers as that plane fell from the sky. And that wherever you are headed, where, whether it seems forward or backward, or maybe even in a new direction, the resurrection Jesus promises to meet you too on the way. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Indeed, he is going ahead of you. There you will see him. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. <laughs>